on this episode is the Manchester United points lorry about to hit a Erling Haaland shaped roadblock are Liverpool the steady strikers of the Premier League or is it Spurs season to strike a surprise all this and more in the Toki Taka podcast Welcome listeners in a week where Harry Maguire became the hero and Andre Onana assisted him in a week where Erling Haaland came back to form we will see United versus City as the talkie game to go to but there have been many other games that we want to talk about uh, to do that on the panel today we have RK Ashwin and Radha ji boys how are you doing how has it been it's been an eventful week i would say Yeah certainly an eventful week eventful two games i would say um, Harry Maguire Diego Dallo Andre Onana all these people we we have been you know slating for the last few weeks uh, have come up as heroes for united so yeah um, the club is no short of drama and uh, long may the drama continue what are your talky points ashwin you've already started us off so is harry maguire center stage of your talky point i think harry maguire is center stage of all my memes but no <laughs> i'll probably go for i'll go for a different one actually so um it's from the uh, it's uh, from the game at celtic park uh, and celtic were actually bond before the game not to show any form of support or uh, you know allegiance towards palestine so what do their fans do uh, all 70 75000s of uh, of them and waving the palestine flag uh, in you know in pure defiance and um, it was actually a really touching moment as well because they played uh, uh you know the the their anthem as well so you never you never walk alone so it was a really a really a really touching moment uh, again not taking any sides here because i know it is an ongoing issue it's an ongoing war but um, it it just felt very human to uh, to watch that all right talking about the other united fan rk good to see you back what's your talking moment hey guys so basically we had a you know midweek game where the main entertainment was i think on both the ends of the match uh, and you know most of the things that were in between were you know very very disappointing so uh, you know last minute going into the last few seconds the last kick united up 1-0 uh the second half you know better than the first and just hoping to get those three points and then unexpectedly or i think we should be saying expectedly by now on the last kick some you know real mishap happens uh, like silly mistake mctominay you know concedes that foul and and at that moment i had you know completely given up hope that united are going to do anything in the champions league this time one point from three games it's a recipe for you know going out so that so that I, i was completely sitting in a resigned state of mind something inside me told me that okay this might be saved but i i wasn't even contemplating thinking about that uh, larson's son steps up and i think doesn't take a great penalty but very very good save and uh, you know all the mobbing of the teammates and i, I it, you know it was a great moment for onana and hopefully it's a launch pad for him so that's my uh, you know talking moment of the week of course it was a tough choice because maguire scored and you know he has his own redemption arc going on there and 
you know sir bobby charlton i think it was a great uh, you know very emotional tribute uh, to him with the bagpiper uh, you know playing the 1958 song and you know a crowd in a very emotional state so that obviously that was a tough choice but uh, i'll go for donana one all right and bringing the non united perspective radha ji what's your talking moment yeah moment from the derby the mersey side derby um um obviously winning the derby is always good um it was a tough game we always make it tough against everton but after so long after coming on this podcast and ranting for for several weeks now about referees and decisions and var and what not things finally went liverpool's way uh, from a from a refereeing point of view uh, ashley young deservedly got uh, got sent off um for for his for his fouls and um konate <laughs> rather undeservedly stayed on the field for after a pretty obvious second yellow um so yeah he should have walked as well but definitely got lucky there so or maybe the refereeing curses are starting to lift i hope uh, but yeah an obvious red card for konate wasn't uh, wasn't given by the ref for a second yellow so yeah that's my talky moment the good times are back again do, do you think rather that the game should be replayed i i think everton has uh, such a nice record at anfield that i'm i'm okay with that Hmm. spoken like a fan of a confident team which is on song uh for me the talking point was uh, mudrik's goal slash lob was it intentional was it non intentional i have no clue people say things in press conferences i don't know that, the xg of that was minus 1 so yeah <laughs> i'm i don't the x cross of that was 100 so yeah there's no it's not it's not Uh, intended let's see i think he uh, if i am not mistaken and um, arun's rants rarely give away things on on the whatsapp group i think raya was supposedly lobbed again in midweek against sevilla it's just that the ball hit the post this time round so that didn't become as big a talking point as when mudrik did that but yeah that was that was fun to see and for one stamford bridge was rocking because we had a two goal lead but unfortunately it went away anyway let's start off with the united uh, week basically a lot of things going on as you mentioned sir bobby charlton passing away the game against sheffield united which wasn't a convincing win by any stretch of the imagination if you can say so only 1-0 against a team which is battling relegation then midweek going into a one lead and at the last moment potentially throwing it away but then that save by unana maguire dalo unana people coming center stage and now i don't know we know that the sun is not reputable but apparently read today that deheya could be signed on a short term deal because unana will go for the afcon it's as you guys say it's never a dull day at manchester united so why don't you guys take us away and take us into this world of the red devils uh, like i said last last time out as well it's becoming a kind of a repetitive feature right all the drama that comes along with my united is never a single week where something does not happen off field uh, so this week it was um, well not a drama but a really sad news in the sense that um, uh, one of the Uh, no, it wasn't particularly last week. 
the weeks following uh, that Sir Bobby Charlton obviously passed away and it was definitely an emotional moment for the club. Um, all the history that comes along with it, the Munich uh, uh, disaster, how he won the league uh, with, with, with that team, how he bounced back, how he won us the European Cup. So I was expecting some some kind of, you know, um, response, like response in a positive way, but it wasn't it wasn't to be. So starting with the Sheffield United game, it's, I mean, if there is one team that can give the worst team in the Premier League some confidence, it seems to be Man United. Uh, that first half, Sheffield United just outplayed us. Um, it was it was just terrible to watch. Uh, I can start blaming players like Rashford. I think he deserves a lot of blame, but like the entire system was not was not correct. Like there was something something that is just not landing in with the players and it almost feels like they don't want to play for, for the manager, which is a really, um, you know, really sad thing to see because uh, we, we we all think that Eric Ten Hag is the coach who can take us to the next level. Uh, but time after time after time, what we are seeing is that the players are just not able to step up. Um, second half, I think we did much better. Um, uh, of course, the changes helped as well. And then Diego Dallor came up with the goods. No one was expecting him to score a worldie like that. Um, and uh, I think it was only fitting that, you know, he he got a goal, which is very much reminiscent of, you know, how Bobby Charlton would have, would have scored the goal because he was known to score goals from really far out, hit the ball really hard. Um, so I think, I mean, again, like the last week we was celebrating a win against Brentford. This week we're celebrating a win against Sheffield United. I don't think we'll be celebrating a win against the best team in the planet next week. So it's it's just really, really concerning. The jinxers are out. The jinxers are out in full attendance. Uh, Ashwin not letting RK get to it first. Shooting first there. Good to see. But, you know, Ashwin, I don't agree that it's about players' motivation. Uh, players don't look demotivated to me. They might be looking a bit demoralized, but definitely don't look demotivated. I, I don't think it's a case of not wanting to play for the manager. Uh, for me, more than the players right now, uh, the buck stops with the, you know, coaching and the manager, uh, you know, what is the kind of training that is going on. Because... Uh, you know, uh, like paradoxically, in the first few games of the season when we were losing to Spurs, to Arsenal, to Bayern, there were actually really good things happening in those games uh, in the way that, you know, we were trying to, uh, or we dominated, uh, you know, at least half an hour of each, each of those games. So, so there were good things to do. But I think a lot of dependence is there in this whole structure on, you know, trying to win the ball in the final third. Other than that, there is no discernible identity that was there in those matches or now. So, even the games against Sheffield and against uh, you know Copenhagen, the reason that we played so badly in the first half is that, you know, when the ball is with the centre-backs and they're trying to pass out from the back, you don't see any way in which, you know, how they are going to progress the ball up because no one is really dropping in. No one is trying to invite the press. Uh, uh, and, you know... There is a lot of attempt to lump the ball up and then try to win the second ball or, you know, switch the play wide and try to, you know, create overloads, which is never going to work when you are trying to go from, you know, directly from the defensive phase to directly into the final third. You are going to, you know, end up losing more balls than you win. 
and after that we know that we are having midfield issues where you know uh, it's not easy to you know win the ball high up the field when you lump it up so it's it's very different to having a transition situation where you know you lose the ball and you immediately press so i mean other i, I don't i don't see any uh, like that is a you know very big worry for me that why don't uh like why is in ten hag able to instill you know a very convincing build up structure that was an issue which was there last season as well in a lot of games but then with lisandro martinez and shaw you know playing i think that was overridden to a large extent we thought that onana would help us progress in that mode but after the first few games i really haven't seen onana's passing skills being used at all it's almost looks like a you know tactical thing that onana is being made to kick the ball up the field and the number of you know uh, it's probably a result of his confidence as well that you know he was really good at aerial balls with inter but he's not able to find any players in space with those balls and it's also a result of of course people like rashford not really being good in the air so you know those are the reasons that we don't play well in the last few games in the first half and then eric ten hag comes out and speaks very publicly about wanting to be more patient in the build up uh, and stuff like that and things improve but still you don't see uh, like at least i don't see any real patterns being played out but you know at least being more patient i think right now is good enough against teams like copenhagen and sheffield uh, you know and the other team uh, you know that we beat brentford so probably it's good enough for these teams but uh, it's it's nothing at all you know with respect to the fixtures that are coming up man city newcastle so if we go on this way without any progress i uh, you know i i really don't see how we are going to get you know good performances against city and newcastle going forward yeah and i think i think the most worrying part of that is how uh, you know people have now started showing up stats like oh manchester united play better with harry maguire they have a much lesser uh, you know loss percentage ratio or whatever it is uh, when harry maguire is playing i mean this is his level he he looks good because you know i mean we these are not the teams that we should be competing with we should be competing with the likes of city liverpool arsenal spurs even right and it, it is just it is just really really terrible to see the way we are playing the how we are struggling against teams like this um coming to the copenhagen game they had almost as many shots on target as united and this is a team that has just got one point in i think in the last two years or something in the champions league and they were, they look like proper ballers at old trafford so it is really concerning for me i i don't know if there is an end to this i don't know ten hag is able to figure out a way to get these people to play um maybe maybe the people coming back from injuries might help but at this point it is really concerning i have a question about uh, ericsson the way he's being used right now as a second half sub and coming on which makes sense in terms of um, his longevity he's he's obviously not got the legs for 90 minutes but that seems to be helping uh, my question on that is where is this leaving uh, people like mount in the hierarchy in terms of what's their status now in the in the team in terms of uh, okay the first sign of danger probably you hook folks like him off to make sure that you know you have people you trust and mount doesn't seem to be getting that level of trust for me or am i misreading the situation there 
it's is not about trust uh, i mean trust should be you know based on performances right and to be honest other than uh, you know I, I like i pointed out on the pod that i was very impressed with how he played against bayern munich but other than that it's not been really been an encouraging start he's not really had many touches of the ball so it's not like he's dictating uh, position in the in the way that eriksen can do he was brought into the team to you know act like a kind of advanced double pivot you know so to say with bruno we have not seen that evidence in the final third as well uh, you know of course you expect people to take some time to bed in and mount will get that time but you know ultimately the team has to be picked on performances something that's not happened with rashford but it's it's happening with mount because uh, you know the like the complete balance in midfield is uh, you know is such a problem so for example you take mctominay who scored two goals against brentford you can't drop him after someone scores two goals but mctominay is an even bigger problem on the ball than mount is uh, you know uh, mount at least showing signs of improvement and we know that he has the skill set mctominay had 12 touches of the ball in the first half against sheffield united you can't expect to you know dominate the midfield uh, you know with with one of your midfielders having 12 touches of the ball and i think what this stru- kind of structure does with either a mctominay or a mount is that it's also reduced bruno's effectiveness this season bruno's not been as effective and the second half against uh, uh, against copenhagen where we were good in certain patches was also because bruno was playing as an all out number 10 with with eriksen and mctominay dropping deeper and you know you could see uh, how the attacks again started to you know look fluid with bruno getting that role so uh, and also you know with the advanced aids there's always been this problem of you know once we lose the attacking phase uh, and we don't win the ball up the field then it becomes an easy transition for teams so there are a lot of problems with the 28 system which which is being employed with either mctominay or mount right now uh, and and probably that will be one reason why mount will find it a bit tough until he proves himself you know that that he can defend transitions he can play defensively and he can also contribute on the ball it's going to be t- uh, you know he has to show it for me i i just want to um, hop on on the stat that ashwin shared i think you can't uh, argue with numbers um, so i think harry maguire has to be the leading starter for united now going forward and with the record that united have with him on the pitch uh, you can't argue with those kinds of numbers so yeah he is looking forward to a lot more harry maguire I'm wondering but, do we want him to start with Johnny Evans by any chance I I really do I I believe he's injured I was quickly trying to google when Ashwin mentioned that I was I was quickly trying to google Johnny Evans stats for United but I couldn't get uh, enough data for me to bring that up but that would be the dream yeah absolutely But you know to, uh, like to be fair to Maguire he's had a you know good two and a half or you know a couple of games so while we can always say it's uh, and and rightly so that it's about the opposition but i mean give let's let's give him credit where it's due he's had enough abuse as it is i'm all for it no more abuse just let him start as much as he can uh, just quickly on unana though i think um, a great moment for him we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the pod that he needs a moment um i we were really struggling to find out where that moment comes from in the middle of the season when things are spiraling in the wrong direction it's hard to kind of change momentum but the one thing that keepers can do to absolutely change momentum is a big penalty save like that in a must win game absolute last kick of the game 2 minutes after the added time um so yeah amazing moment for him i think that could be the real so some of the things that rk talked about i really believe is a confidence thing the way that he's not kicking playing cute passes playing 
intelligent passes. He's just kicking the ball out into touch or out out long. I think it's definitely a confidence thing for him as well. And for somebody like him, confidence is going to be key in playing his natural game. So hopefully then I think uh, he's going to step up now with that really good moment behind him. The last thing any team needs, leave alone a team which is not perhaps in the best form, is somebody who's causing a lot of anxiety as a keeper. So if he starts turning it around, I think a lot of problems will get solved at United as well. You know, but Raga, it's the like the concern here is that we are we are living too much on moments. So like you know, it's been two weeks since McTominay scored that you know wonderful end to the game that was supposed to be the springboard. Our patterns didn't change. The next game, Dallo, you know, scores a screamer, and again, you know, we win the game. The patterns didn't change against Copenhagen against, and then you know, people like Maguire, and you know, it's it's. Uh, heartwarming to watch people, uh, you know, who 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 come back like that. I, I know Nana, but again, it's it's uh, like nothing really is changing in terms of the patterns, and that's what you know really concerns me. That you know this can only go till a point, I guess. But who needs patterns? Who needs coaching? Who needs anything when you have Takitaka questioning whether Eric Ten Hag is going to lose the dressing room because he's freezing out Harry Maguire and Scott McTominay and is Onana Jayden ever Sancho. going to come good? Jaden Sancho. And then all of them are just delivering win after win after win now for United. So who needs tactics and coaching and, and patterns when Takitaka is doing all the work for you? Just give us the money and we'll jinx all your uh, non-performing assets into Ballon d'Or contention. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Folks who grew up in the 90s and noughties uh, would remember No Mercy as uh, a WWE pay-per-view which had awesome matches and things like that. But No Mercy this week was just for Everton. Merseyside was completely red. Liverpool... Not thrashing them in terms of scoreline, but playing a comfortable game and uh, aching out another win and uh, just being comfortable. And uh, Everton having a rough time of it. Their chairman died yesterday or day before yesterday. And then yesterday, the Premier League recommended that uh, they be given a 12-point penalty, which as it stands would take them bottom. It's just been the recommendation. As I see the surprise looks on the faces of the panel. That's the recommendation of the Premier League in terms of the financial irregularity that Everton have shown. The final decision will be for the independent regulator, but they do take that into consideration. So if that happens, Everton might well go down. Which I think, given their current state, might probably be a better option in terms of their financial stability because right now it doesn't seem like there's any end to what's happening and they have this triple seven partners who want to buy them but uh, apparently triple seven partners aren't even paying their own employees so where are they getting the cash to buy Everton we'll see but uh, Radhaji coming back to Liverpool your other Merseyside club um, comfortable win things are looking good yeah, just before um, uh, we move on, I think um, you you mentioned that it might be the best thing for Everton. I can't think of anything that could be more catastrophic than them getting relegated. Um, they apparently have been so under the under the era of ownership. They've been so irresponsible that they don't have relegation clauses in their contracts. They don't have uh, um, any semblance of a healthy wage structure. They got a whole bunch of lads from Barcelona, started paying them real premium wages. Um, So they've done a lot of mismanagement in their finances and their books as well. So if they get relegated now and they don't have the Premier League revenue, I, I, I see it becoming a spiral and it's not 
I think Everton is definitely a club that should be in the league. Um, their atmospheres are really good. Although this this Merseyside kickoff at twelve thirty was absolute crap atmosphere. I would I have to say, but in general, both Mersey teams do have a good atmosphere. A lot of character in the teams. A lot of character in the crowds. So yeah, I think that will be catastrophic for them. Uh, pretty bad match uh, for from their point of view. Um, I think they start. They had a chance in forty seconds. I think that was the only chance they had in the entire game. Um, I think at eleven versus eleven, I don't know what has happened to. Uh, Daish's uh, ability to kind of stifle teams out of the park. We were just breaking through their midfield and getting counters for fun. I think it would have been a lot big. I think it would have been a much better victory for Liverpool if it had stayed 11 on 11 because we were countering for absolute fun. But you could see there was a lot of rustiness on our end as well. Luis Diaz, Mo Salah getting into really promising positions, but the final ball was just really bad. I think the hangover of the 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 international games was definitely there to see, but overall we still played much better than Everton did. Ever since they went to ten men, it was a no contest. At there was just only one team who was going to win that game. Everton didn't even want to try after that. Um, so yeah, control the game. Lot of positives. Um, I just wanted to talk about uh, a couple of things from a Liverpool perspective. One is about, I, I talked about maybe in a few weeks ago, I think this could be the best squad that Klopp has had as a manager of Liverpool. I don't mean that the players of every position are the best that they've ever been. Like, there's no money in the squad. Uh, obviously, Wijnaldum and, and the likes and Van Dijk is not, is not the same Van Dijk as he was in the past. But what I do mean is that uh, from an options point of view and how good the bench looks, I think this is the best squad, overall squad that uh, Klopp has had. And he seems to be absolutely enjoying it. For the first six, seven years of his management, I always thought the one weak point in Klopp was his in-game management with substitutes. Um, I think this has become suddenly overnight, it's become one of our biggest strengths. The way that we've been changing games through our substitutes, bringing on players um, in the middle of matches to absolutely change the game, change the momentum has been immense this season. Uh, at one stage, after he realized that Everton are just shutting up shop, he took off the left back and brought in a forward. I think that's that's that just shows when he has so many options. Klopp is really enjoying tinkering, taking some, uh, making some experiments and stuff like that. I'm absolutely loving it. I think he's changed so many games that were going in the wrong direction. We've we've come back from conceding a goal so many times because of our substitutes. So that's really exciting for me as a fan. The other thing is Darwin Nunes. I think he had a very short stint, but he he was on fire for Uruguay during the international break as well. Uh, scored and assisted against Brazil as they beat Brazil 2-0. Um, it was, I think there's been no more market change in a player that I've seen than Darwin Nunes. Uh, I, he will still miss his chances. That's not the part of his game that has changed, but his involvement and connection with the other players and his involvement in build-up has just gone through the roof. He seems like such an intelligent player who you can play through now rather than just a guy who comes and causes chaos and with his pace and runs and things like that. He seems like a very much a part of that attack and I'm really excited to see what comes from him now going forward. I think he's going to be the starting centre-forward for us now for the next few months. I think, uh, you know, with respect to the Everton red card, I, I, I really feel as, a, you know, uh, you know having watched Ashley Young uh, play, you know, United-Liverpool over the years, that, Ashley, uh, you know, they played Ashley Young on the wrong side. 
you know, and, and he was up against Diaz. If he if he had been up against Salah, he would have you know kept him in his pocket just like old times. I think that. that yes, would, I, I just I, I I want to know I want to know how far back United fans' memories go, man. That that, that happened for a couple of games. After that, Salah has been roasting um, everybody who comes starting with Ashley Young. I think the first win that we had at Old Trafford was Salah scoring a hat-trick against Ashley Young. So, I mean, I, how far do uh, memories go for United fans? I want to know. I, maybe if you close your eyes and open it, it's still Fergie managing the club, perhaps. You know, those days I would take back in an instant, in a, in a jiffy rather. No no doubt about that. But, but you know, Swag, talking of Everton, I, I completely agree with what Radha said earlier. So, I, I didn't get what you said by, you know, saying that it, they are better off getting relegated and I have another question on that, you know, if Everton are going to get punished with a 12 point, uh, uh, you know, uh, like Doc, like what is the Premier League doing about Man City? So I think the way this works, and this is this is a question that's obviously come up on the internet ever since this talk about this 12 point penalty came about. People are like, okay, 12, 12 into 115 is so much. So Man City basically getting relegated to the Southern Conference League. Uh, but I think the point is this is one charge and they had a pretty airtight case. They don't want to take the risk again against Man City of because Man City comes with this army of lawyers. So they want to have an airtight case before they take it to the tribunal or court or whatever, wherever they take this basically. It's a bloody farce. Um, since, since uh, like Ashwin mentioned a little bit earlier, can we replay the seasons? That'll be that'll be fun. Uh, uh, replay the game, null and void those Man City seasons. And that'll be fun. I think a couple of extra titles will be will be nice. Yeah, but you never know. They might just do what um, Tour de France did when they removed Lance Armstrong's titles. They basically said no one won <laughs> those seasons. So kind that like might not COVID, be that nice. Kind of like the COVID days, right? When which is also a farce, by the way. Uh, but I was I was listening to the um, you know the uh, the AC Jimbo podcast. I'm forgetting the name. Now. Totally, but, you know, which I, yeah, totally. Yeah, thank you. We we uh, do name uh, our uh, competitors on this pod. It's okay. That's fine. Yeah, this they they like yeah, they're, they're the guys who stole our talking moments of the week and and yeah. started their own version. Yeah. But, but anyways, they were saying that, you know, obviously this is the charge from the EFL, right? But ultimately what happens is that it goes to a tribunal and then it's basically a panel of three people who decide whether the, the charges are valid enough. And in most cases, it gets reduced by quite a notch. So they might not even have like a points reduction. It could just be like some fine or something of that sort. Or they could have like a three-point or a six-point deduction. So, again, right now, it's still very much up in the air. I think Everton fans definitely deserve much better. Uh, They, like United fans, have gone through some really bad rounds of ownership. And, 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 uh, of course, like there has been a lot of mismanagement of funds as well. I was reading somewhere that... Uh, they 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 showed that they had a hundred and fifty million loss because of COVID, and which was much 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 more than any other club had shown. So they're definitely you know cooking the books in some respect. But again, the tribunal would decide whether they deserve those twelve point reduction or not. 
talking about points and deductions um, ashwin i see you took a hit for oli watkins in fpl and yet have come out on top compared to the rest of us not the overall league where uday is leading so in the battle of the mediocres you you've come out on top um, radha ji you you hit fpl right now i guess you had like a 70 plus point game week and you dropped two spots so three spots to... like three spots oh, i dropped sorry. three spots after scoring <laughs> 71 points captaining kiran trippier getting 20 points off him i thought i was a genius and i dropped three spots in the league yeah fpl is a farce guys the big, only bigger farce than man city so my question to you guys this week is who's your captaincy pick uh, is anyone going for haland uh, against united or is it someone else is it oli watkins i don't know It is it is a tempting proposition to didn't he score a hat trick last last time? But maybe it was wrong before. He probably scored a hat trick against thirty five percent of the teams in the league. Also, it's a it's give and take. No, I think again, like obviously, if there's like if there's one club that he would want to face to you know break his so called lull form. Uh, I think it it is Man United, but again, I I don't think I'll be captaining Haaland. There are so many better options this week. So you have Salah, uh, who I've now got on wild card, so I'm happy about that. Unless he gets injured or something today, uh, in which case I won't be happy. Uh, Wash your mouth with soap, Ashwin. <laughs> like just shut your mouth. Uh, and then, so so obviously one of the Liverpool guys. Looking at looking at Gabriel Jesus' form, I think I would pick him. You know, probably for Sheffield against Sheffield. So I think he's he's got an orange mark, a yellow mark, or whatever for availability. This explains why RK does not play FPL. Because because he's probably not aware of the fact that he has an orange flag. Or or is it that I don't trust Arteta's crying? It's fair. No, That's a no fair one. Point. No one. No one should be trusting that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Arsenal have a really good fixture, right? So Saka is definitely another one of those who you could potentially captain. And again, Oli Watkins against Luton, it is is also a good uh, captaincy pick. I think this week. Yeah, I just want to throw in one name here: uh, a certain Brian Mbemo, who last week <laughs> rather he said hot. Hot pick, guys. Drop him. <laughs> He comes back and scores fourteen points. <laughs> Let me just clarify. Let me just clarify. I said I dropped him. Um, I encouraged Swag to do the same. Not our illustrious listeners. And, But and, to be fair, I dropped him. That Mbemo is playing against Chelsea. That's where this comes from. That's ah, it all makes sense that. now. <laughs> No, but but to also clarify, I I dropped Mbwemo to get Madison, so no regrets there. So Madison is flying, and I'm happy with that. Uh, but from this week's point of view, I am torn between two choices. Um, I think um, uh, Saka is going to be playing a pretty good fixture against uh, uh, Sheffield, but my heart is leaning a little bit towards Darwin Nunes uh, against Nottingham Forest at Anfield. So that's um, that's one I'm keeping my eye on as well. So between the two of them is where I think I'm going to go with my captain pick. Do, do, do you think sir, do you think Darwin Nunes will start because he's obviously not getting those minutes right? So it is still a risky. So I think the problem. 
the, I think the problem is he is so clearly the number one starting center forward right now. It's just that um, every time he goes off and plays for that freak of an international team coach that, that is Bielsa, he comes back with some 18 cramps uh, for how much he's been made to run in midweek. So uh, Klopp did mention that uh, he would have started him, but he came back with a bit of a cramp. That happened even the last time they went out for their international break. So he seems to be on fire for Uruguay and then can't walk for the next few days after that. But yeah, this weekend, he's starting tonight. Uh, in a couple of minutes, they kick off against Toulouse. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I do expect him to start at the weekend against Forest as well. Talking about non-captaincy picks, I think Douglas Luiz is also a good good pick from Aston Villa. Of course, the Spurs boys, how can we forget them? Like, if you don't have Madison at this point, you, you need to take a hit and get it. Yeah. Talking of Spurs uh, flying high, top of the league, Madison on song, Sun on song. No one... Recalling someone called Harry Kane, no one caring, uh, Dogi, Vicario, everyone's working out fine. It's like cool runnings, the London version. Um, how long do we expect this to carry on? When do we start taking them seriously as a threat for the top four, if not the title itself? Man, you can never be sure with Spurs, right? Like, I remember that Leicester season when they, they, was, they should have won the title pretty much. So. I'm still on the fence with them. Uh, of course, like they have been very refreshing to watch as well. Uh, you can see that what Ange is trying to do. There's a definite style of play. Son is obviously playing much more forward. Again, a good FPL pick, by the way. Um, so he he he's. I mean, he's probably become the Harry Kane in absence of Harry Kane. He's no longer playing on the left wing. Uh, so that's that's helping. And some of the lesser known players or people we had not even heard about, like. Um, that Dutch guy, what's his name? Van Van der Van, or something like that. Van der Van. Van der Van, yeah. Odogi, Tsuma, certain games, Madison, of course. Like they are all like they're just up the ante at Spurs. So uh, um, I I still feel that they're not champions material, I, I, and we have the likes of. City, Arsenal, and now Liverpool as well, uh, who are really gunning for it. Um, I think I'll probably give them till Boxing Day and then... That's actually the right timeline, uh, Ashwin, because till December 10th, uh, Tottenham, they play Palace tomorrow. After that, they play Chelsea, Wolves, who are now becoming a little bit of a tricky fixture as well. Villa, Man City, West Ham, Newcastle. Those are their six fixtures, or sorry, seven fixtures coming up now till the 10th of December. So I think this is going to be the telling part of their season. Uh, at least four out of those six are extremely difficult. Wolves is a bit tricky. Palace should be straightforward. So, um, yeah, I think this is when uh, Tottenham, their hopes for the season are going to stand out. Um, I don't see them staying top of the league at the end of this run. Yeah, I was doing the same thing, you know, looking at the fixtures because few weeks back uh, after the Tottenham-Liverpool is when, you know, we were talking of the next two or three fixtures being, you know, very nice and that's, uh, you know, they would, uh, you know, get through those fixtures. We were talking of Luton uh, and, uh, you know, uh, like the game that they just completed against Fulham and then Crystal Palace, uh, you know, uh, so all of these good fixtures, but after that, the next five fixtures are going to be 
the real test but as as ashwin said it's you know a really coherent team so that's the good part of it things are there which look sustainable you know in terms of how they play uh, you uh, you know you can see those patterns the identity and of course it's like the son and madison is like the old uh, you know kane and son partnership assisting each other and uh, you know i i think the more entertaining part is when uh, son tries to score off madison it's not the first time that it's happened i i think there was some game previously also where he took the try to take the ball off madison's feet and they both fouled and uh, in this game uh, you know they celebrated together with that uh, you know dart uh, celebration and then after that uh, son in, uh, in in uh, you know it's it's his uh, you know goal scoring nature and it uh, again takes the ball off madison's feet almost and then they again have that uh, argument so i i think that's uh, you know their relationship is a bit uh, entertaining for me at the moment in that team and i i don't know about you guys but um, bit of a unpopular opinion i actually think that this is a better combination than kane and son um because for me kane as great as he is i feel like this positional change for son has really unleashed him it's what i think his skills are more suited to um playing in the areas that perhaps kane maybe had a little bit of he had that monopoly to himself for a while at spurs and madison is the perfect giver so rather than son uh, just being a counter attack merchant and uh, looking for kane in in certain positions he is now actually uh, has madison behind him who is not thinking of uh, scoring as much as kane was as well so i think madison is there just to put things on a plate for son and son is tireless he's unselfish he's the perfect kind of player to give things back as well uh, madison is in hot form um, so i think actually i'm finding this a lot more exciting to watch than i used to i for me kane just slows everything down a bit uh, and he's effective he's very good he's a world class player and he's top of the scoring charts at bayern munich again he's going he's going to be great there as well but just as a from a visual point of view i'm finding these two much more exciting and there's still more to come from them i guess uh, hopping across the capital london we have arsenal who drew against chelsea came back from a two goal deficit obviously helped a bit by robert sanchez's mistakes and uh, for once i was thinking ah okay probably this is this is the turning point for chelsea but not to be but anyway so arsenal came back to glean a point then they've uh, beaten sevilla so that's that's again a booster for the, uh, their confidence and now i think they have an easier fixture this weekend in terms of sheffield united so they they're not letting go they're keeping up the pace and i think they will be there or there around uh, when it comes to the final count it's more from chelsea side uh, you know that i wanted to talk about because there are a lot of teams that have kind of neutralized arsenal uh, this season even if i look back at the united game i think that was an even game and then there are other teams you know where arsenal haven't found it easy to kind of impose their game and we talked about it uh, in the spot as well right but i think for the first time this season if i'm not wrong uh, you know uh, like uh, you know there was a team who kind of i think tactically won the battle and outwitted that opponent and and, and that was chelsea and last couple of games we have seen uh, you know chelsea showing uh, you know sparks of coming into real life before that uh, you know even up was talking about the xg being good the performances being pretty decent in possession etc but in terms of finishing being really bad and then making very very poor mistakes uh, you know mistakes at the back because of which uh, chelsea really didn't have much points to talk about but then 
last few games you can see the uptick in you know the results and the finishing and the goal scoring as well so i i thought of course the goals were really lucky uh, you can talk about uh, was the handball uh, also a valid decision or not yes his hands were away from the body and all that but i think he had you know you know so little time to react and coming off the other player and also you know two really lucky goals uh, swag's moment of the week Uh, so, so let's not talk more about that we all know where that you know was going up i i was kind of reminded of one tom cleverly goal as well uh, uh, you know slightly different from that where he showed so much surprise and then behaved as if he scored that goal willingly so anyway but but apart from that you know the performance was so good and uh, we we, t- we talk so much about the striker misfiring this time they went with a false nine so tactically also you know having to do without the two main uh, you know left uh, like wing uh, sorry full backs in the team still able to find a way to kind of play better than a very you know highly wanted opponent i i, I found chelsea you know quite impressive so swag what are your thoughts on that and how did how, how did you know chelsea make it uh, you know become so dominant against arsenal which is so tough to do so two things one uh, when we played the pre-season and kunku was playing in a number 10 position he got injured just before the start of the season so we had to change our structure and everything when cole palmer came in we had a natural number 10 guy who we could slot into that position and that helped basically use the moves that we had practiced in pre season so so that became a bit easier so that's one thing second thing is obviously with more time and conditioning so watch his uh, has apparently got a history of the first couple of months he's so much into physical fitness and conditioning that the teams are uh, running dead and then they they start to reap the advantage of that so potentially that's happening as well he claims that um, the, this chelsea side is showing a faster uptick than his previous teams so they should be up and running completely till by by christmas or something like that having said that i think having had the season we had last year or last season uh, it's also a matter of confidence so once even if it's a freak goal even if it's a freak result i don't know but once you have one result you can expect that okay some others can follow and thankfully we had a decent enough patch of not too threatening teams which basically meant that we went into the arsenal game with a lot more confidence than we would have had earlier but if you look at it i i would say that the two best performances that chelsea have had this season were against arsenal and before that was against liverpool on the first day so taking both of these into consideration i think uh we like for example we have brentford uh, this weekend ever since brentford have come up i think we've only won one game against them so far in the premier league and never at stamford bridge you so, you don't need to complete your uh, you know that with the jinx swag it's okay <laughs> No, so so that's what I'm saying. That uh, these are the teams we've had more trouble against recently. So once we've had this sort of run where we could beat a Fulham, who we did not beat last season at all, even once. So so that which had happened after so many years. So I think that that confidence is also helping us. Hopefully, going forward, this should improve. As you said, we have a decent lack of uh, starters. We've got Reece James out. We've got Chilwell out. We had even Malo Gusto his backup out. Ankunko is out as well. Chukumeka got injured in the second game, uh, and and 
so on and so forth so uh, once i get these guys are all back hopefully around christmas hopefully even earlier but i think around christmas or new years we should see what uh, happens which is why i'm not being too critical of okay where we are in terms of the table even that's better than last season so it's it's fine but uh, i would like to see uh, how they gel once and kunku is back is there a st- structural change when that happens otherwise how do you incorporate sterling jackson mudrick who's now coming into form so we'll see i think that those are interesting discussions for further down the line and maybe there's this talk about tony as well which i'm i'm honestly fed up about talking about transfers at chelsea so i don't want to get into that too much but we'll see in january what happens so this chelsea team is showing the fastest uptick of any of his teams it's a miracle what 1 billion pounds can do it's it's just a good coaching hungry players and 1 billion pounds and you can actually be successful interesting exactly it's it's a miracle what 1 billion pounds can not do uh, for man united anyways uh, i i think uh, firstly i should probably apologize to chelsea fans because i in the last part being very confident that we will blow chelsea out of the water you know but i think having watched that game uh, you could definitely see some really um, good positional play and some really good uh, passages of play as well from chelsea i think partly helped by the fact that arteta is tinkering with his starting 11 quite a bit Uh, I think Arun mentioned in our in our little WhatsApp group that uh, he's really annoyed with the fact that uh, Partey is not playing and Jorginho is playing instead. Uh, and I think earlier in the season when he decided to buy a second goalkeeper, that was again not necessary. I know Ramsdale couldn't have played this particular game, but uh, like it's certainly uh, the case that Arteta is having that Pep Guardiola moment where he's probably overthinking quite a bit. uh and that obvious that has that kind of helped chelsea as well uh i think the it, it was a game where you really need to talk about the goalkeepers it wasn't just sanchez it was also raya who had a howler of a game so i think it made a very interesting watch for neutrals like us for shop but i think i think definitely uh chelsea or someone would be keeping an eye on going forward yeah okay. uh, on arsenal though before uh, we move on i wasn't convinced with arsenal this week uh, i think chelsea in the first half particularly played them out of the park i think arsenal hardly had a chance in the first half uh, got lucky being let into the game by chelsea uh, i didn't think that they were very impressive against sevilla either um sevilla were knocking on the doors a lot towards the end of that game and it very easily could have finished uh, in a draw as well uh, but the only thing that you that i will say about arsenal is they have now become a team where it's they're very very often getting the three points even if they're not playing that well which is a sign of somebody who's learned from a championship push from the previous season and they're getting some kind of clinical edge into their game uh i i mentioned it last week as well that uh, man city have a real hell hole of uh, fixtures coming up now for the next four or five um, and spurs i just mentioned as well are going to go through a tough patch and arsenal have just newcastle uh, in a real challenging fixture in the next five or six so i do think that because of this quality that they have or even when they're playing poorly uh, they're able to pull it out of the bag and 
also when they're not when they're playing well they're quite unstoppable at times uh, i think they might be at the top of the table getting into some somewhere around december so they're in a good position to actually take a, a, a foot ahead of um, spurs and city in this run newcastle they played dortmund at st james's park in the champions league um, and lost which was their first loss this season in the champions league uh, they they're knocking on the doors their top 4 battle they are there um, they will be there at the end of the season as well you would fairly expect uh, but this sandro tonali saga where um, he's been found guilty and he's been given a 10 month ban i don't know if you can keep the receipt for 6 months and if, if if they can get their money back from milan i don't know but um, do you see this affecting the team uh, spirit in terms of a negative run potentially or um, them not being able to keep up these levels that they've been showing in the last month or so see i think uh, since september early september you know when they had that really a uh, horrible uh, day against brighton i think they have improved since then and you can actually see their performances being really impressive and you know uh, even without tonali uh, you know when they go on these kind of you know a uh, great half that they play and you know uh, and they end up generally scoring a lot of goals uh, like for example in the previous game also they scored three goals in the first half so uh, so newcastle are definitely on a good run the the result yesterday was kind of like a dampener on their form and that's what you come to expect from teams like i think newcastle and brighton where uh, they will you know they are good team structurally but they will have this inconsistent uh, you know run of results and you know uh, and that ends up bringing them not very far from the challengers uh, so i think at least i am getting used to this kind of you know up and down patch from teams like newcastle and brighton uh, but of course tonali is going to be a big miss for them not sure how much because unlike you know teams like united newcastle do have a structure and whoever comes into that team seems to be able to play in that structure it's not like you know things go completely for a toss because you know three or four players aren't playing so uh, i i think i think newcastle are going to be there and thereabouts uh, in the you know four five six kind of conversation yeah just um, uh, i don't know how serious it is but alexander isak came off on 10 minutes uh, yesterday during the uh, champions league game as well so that could be a factor um uh, from an xg per 90 point of view the top two players of the league are callum wilson who's who's getting 1.49 xg per 90 and second is alexander isak who's doing 1.08 xg per 90 so i mean these two are carrying a lot of weight for them let's not forget kirian trippier is in the top 5 in the expected assists column as well per 90 so they have a lot of creativity happening uh, between the strikers and uh, trippier so I, I, they they can probably manage without a tonali because uh, some of their um, some of their midfielders who i have uh, written off in the past are doing a solid enough job as long as their attackers and 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 trippier stay fit but if isak is also out i don't know how serious the injury is but then that could be a a factor that uh, challenges newcastle at the start of the season i expected brighton and villa to challenge newcastle i still do uh, but right now the two really really hot on form strikers are pulling them out of a lot of uh, ditches as well you know uh, if if newcastle want a midfielder they can always come back for mctominay 40 million 35 million please come back take him 
you yeah, see, all you they see, need is another see... potential golden boot uh, in their team. Yeah. Get the GD down to minus six. You would seriously give away the guy who's winning you the games and is potentially going to be the Euro qualifying top scorer. Doesn't work like that. I he, think. Does, he just does, he doesn't only give uh, get us goals. He also gives away penalties back. So yeah, but he knew na, that Nana will save it. So he was like, yeah, okay, okay, let's just give them a chance. Copenhagen must also feel this. Like Hoyland's brother is playing here. Bichare ko thoda sa just give him a chance to his team to get a point maybe. But yeah, we'll see if. January McTominay is on his way to St James's Park to be the new Newcastle player. Uh, but he's for now he's a United player, and our talky game, which we've come to eventually, is Manchester United versus Manchester City. We have two United guys here who've been jinxing the bloody game for two days on the group. I've I've even confronted them late last night about this. Anyway, the floor is yours. Yeah, you know, How many? You know, first things first, viewers should get to know the difference between a Chelsea fan jinxing Brentford and United fan jinxing City. I mean, United is not expected to do anything against City in this form. Okay, so let's get our, you know, out of the way first. We, we can play Leicester City and still lose. <laughs> so, any City we play, like, it's it's been that bad, right? Like, it's it's it's... Oh, I, I don't even know where to start. I think we, we spoke so much about the two games, the Sheffield United game and the Copenhagen game as well, uh, where I I would argue we were outplayed uh, for the best part of the two games. And I, all the fact that City have gone through this mini slump of sorts, uh, United are probably the, you know, the best fodder that they can have at this stage. Like, they will be coming in Knowing the fact that this is a this is a United play, which is really easy to play against. Uh, this is a United team where some of the star players like Rashford and all are struggling. So I really don't see a way for United to get anything out of this game, even though it's at Old Trafford. You know, look at some like silver linings, if I may. Like I I I also don't think there's really really going to be the way that we are playing that we are going to be able to do anything much positive, but. The only hope is that, you know, uh, whatever we are trying to do in terms of, uh, you know, trying to uh, win the ball in the final third and, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, trying to play transition, those kind of things might just be more, you know, well suited to maybe, uh, you know, try to do a smash and grab against City than, you know, what we have been able to do against lower opponents. Though, uh, uh, so, so, based on the second half against Copenhagen, all, all that I'm hoping for is that, you know, Bruno gets to play that pure number 10 role. Uh, I think uh, when when playing a counter-attacking game, that would really help us. And put a double pivot, uh, you know, if Casemiro is back or, you know, play Amrabat along with maybe McTominay. I, uh, you know, we don't really have too many options there right now who are available. And of course, I was hoping for maybe Garnacho getting a start, but looks like with the kind of tomfoolery that he's done uh, with all those, uh, you know, racist jokes, I... I you know, he might get banned even before the weekend. I'm not sure how that works. Uh, but let's hope that Garnacho stays available for this game at least. And uh, so it's it's about United, you know, with the available players trying to stay deep, trying to be compact and then trying to hit the counter. So having that kind of a tactical clarity might really actually help United in this game along with the crowd. 
so that's that, that's the best that i can hope for yeah i'm uh, i think yeah you mentioned garnacho obviously he's made a comment um, on twitter i believe uh, with a with an emoji of a of a gorilla against an onana photo and however innocent or inside jokey that might have been it does read poorly and he is likely to get punished uh, but that makes me think if um, if if you really want to get rid of someone like a mctominay or a maguire just play him in, as a, as a winger at united the wingers days are always numbered at united it looks like there's not a single person who's uh, except for ashford of course who's able to stay there for a while so yeah if you want to play if you want to get rid of mctominay then just play him as a winger uh, but just quickly coming to city i don't think um, we're going to see any I don't see any ray of hope uh, really for United. Last week, even though Chelsea and Arsenal were playing, I was feeling reasonably confident that Chelsea can get something out of the game. I'm not feeling that way about uh, United. Um, the other thing about this is I'm really glad for Eric Ten Hag that Onana saved that penalty and it's three points out of three games and not one point out of three games. Uh, because if he had been at one points out of three games and then the city result does not go in a, in the right way i think they would have the pressure would have cranked right up on ten hag as well um uh, so yeah it's a i think he'll he's going to be fine for a while anyway but it would have really cranked up the pressure i don't see any way out for united in this one i'm okay i i agree that city is definitely more likely to win this i just think it it will probably not be the bashing that you guys are making it out to be i think it might be a close game and the only reason i'm basing this on is that after the 6-3 game last season the three games that um, three i think three games that city and united played uh, were relatively closer and united obviously won one of them and even in the fa cup final they were they came apart from two moments of madness from de gea they came pretty close to dominating the game they had their own patches so i think it will be close i'm just basing it on that obviously uh but yeah probably something like a 2-1 i think uh, in the last couple of games forden has been again you know uh, he gets these chances in uh, you know uh, pa- like patches but he's been again very very good there were uh, you know some instances of really good dribbling from him so like forden is going to be a big threat for united haland of obviously uh all the you know talk about bad form etc but he gets his chance and he scores goals uh he's on nine goals so he's still leading the pack in terms of you know top scoring but overall uh recent run of uh, matches i think city have not been at their best they have been a bit sluggish and uh, you know uh, like not really able to impose the game on the opposition but then we are talking of teams like arsenal and you know brighton who are who who, who do really have you know good structures off the ball to be able to control uh, man city so don't don't expect any of that from united but you know uh, in these kind of fixtures you never know hopefully you know they do something like what they did against liverpool last year and that can be the springboard but uh, to be honest that was still early days and uh, don't really see that kind of a performance coming but let's hope for the best so on that note um we'll move on for uh, this week we'll reconvene next week uh, with the results of this game and the other nine games that will happen in the premier league starting with palace versus tottenham tomorrow and uh, we shall see where that takes us for now listeners that's all from us bye bye